It's never dull flying as a priest. I just returned recently from a vocation director's convention in Baltimore, Maryland. So, of course, in order to get out there, I needed to fly. Like I said, it's never dull flying as a priest. I'm sort of used to it by now, but you just kind of catch people just staring at you. It's like, what is that? What is that? So, Because I'll, I'll lock eyes with them, and then they put their head down, and it's just like, so I just stare back at them. I figure, if you're going to stare at me, I'm just going to stare right back at you, right? So I, I don't actually do that, but it's sort of just you get used to this. I was flying out of Green Bay initially, and as I walked past, I saw there was this gentleman, kind of a bigger guy, kind of a rougher-looking gentleman. He had a buzz cut, kind of this big jacket, and cowboy boots. And he was sitting there, and I caught him staring at me. So I was going to use the restroom before the flight took off, so I kind of walked past him, and he had some of his friends with him there. And one of his friends, in sort of a joking way, said, hey, Father, this guy needs to talk to you. He needs a priest. And I said, well, he had his chance when he was staring at me. I just kept walking along, right? But I knew I had to come back that way. So as I came back, I really wasn't sure what I was going to encounter, but he was ready for me. So I kind of walked past him, and he asked me, Father, have you ever read the Bible? I thought to myself, well, this is either a very easy question or this is a trick question. I'm not sure where he's going with this, but I'm like, yes, I, I have read the Bible. He said, have you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? So I don't know if I ever just read it straight through, but probably most of it. He's like, you know, the whole book, and if you're familiar, we heard it a couple of weeks ago, that's the whole book where vanity of vanities, all things are vanity, that's Ecclesiastes. And he just starts, in a sense, preaching to me. He said, you know, Father, all this stuff about the things of the world, you know, they really just don't matter. It's all just kind of vanity. The only thing that really matters is God. You know, I said, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. I think the reason he was talking about this, he recounted to me, him and his buddies were up in Crandon last weekend. Evidently, every year, there's these big off-road races up in Crandon, and I think he was just looking at his life in a new way because, unfortunately, one of the drivers during those races passed away, got in an accident, and died. And I think he's just started to think about life in a new way. And he was just telling me all these things. So we had a great conversation. He did more of the talking. I did more of the listening. But I gave him a miraculous medal blessed by the Pope. I usually keep a few of those on me. We kind of said a prayer and went on our way, flying from Green Bay to Chicago. He was flying back to Cleveland. His name was Stephen. I said I was going to use our conversation at some point in a homily, and I think it was going to be the week after I met him, but I said I was going to give him the credit. But the reason I bring this up is because it really wasn't what I expected. When I saw him, it was really the opposite of what I expected. The reason I bring this up is because today as we celebrate this 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we hear arguably one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture. I think there's probably even people out there that don't even believe in God. But if you ask them, what's the story of the prodigal son? They could probably recount the story to you. It's one of those well-known passages. I think the reason why it's so well-known, it's so memorable, is, is the outcome is really the opposite of what you expect. As we heard, a man had two sons. The younger son says to his father, give me the inheritance, give me the estate that's coming to me. And as we heard, without debate, without discussion, the father just gives it to him. Here you go. And on the part of the younger son, without so much as a thank you, he takes it and he goes off. And as you heard, he squanders it on a life of dissipation. Now, to be honest with you, I've heard that word dissipation used pretty much in this passage, but I wasn't exactly sure what it meant. So, for what it's worth, dissipation refers to Rather, this descent into drunkenness and sexual exploit. So, long story short, not good. Not good stuff. And he squanders it on that. But then as we heard, finding himself in dire need, he goes to a local citizen who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. As you're coming to his senses, 
He decides to go back to his father. But not as a son, but as we heard, rather, just as a hired worker. He received in that way. And then the outcome. The opposite of what you would expect. As he approaches his father, what happens? He doesn't scold him. He doesn't punish him. He doesn't berate him. He runs to him. He hugs him. He embraces him. He kisses him. He clothes him. He throws a feast for him. He restores his former status. Opposite of what you would expect. Now, obviously, this is a beautiful story. We've, I'm sure we've heard it many, many times. It's a story of love. It's a story of mercy. It's a story of forgiveness, compassion, all those things. But there's a problem with it. The problem is not with the passage itself. It's the Word of God. I wouldn't say there's a problem with the Word of God. I think there's a problem, rather, with us. Because whenever we hear this story, whenever we hear this parable, it seems the outcome is the opposite of what I think the Lord expects. Because when we hear this passage, we can say, yep, it's a beautiful passage. Then oftentimes, our response, we do nothing. We acknowledge the beauty of it. Yeah, it's wonderful. And we just kind of go about our whole way. I think it really misses the whole point of why Jesus gives us the parable today, his disciples back then, but for us today. Because it teaches us a few things. It shows us who we are. It shows us what we're supposed to do. And it shows us who he is. So who are we, brothers and sisters? We're the younger son. All of us at some point in our lives, I'm sure we've received beautiful gifts, beautiful graces from the Lord, and we squander them. I'm sure there's times when we receive something and we were ungrateful, rather just went about our own way, doing what we want, whatever we want to do it. Long story short, all of us have sinned. That's who we are. So what are we supposed to do? just like the prodigal son, if we're called to be like him, if we are like him, we're called to go back to our Heavenly Father and to ask for forgiveness. To go back, to humbly approach him and ask for his mercy. That, brothers and sisters, is what we're supposed to do. But do we do that? Put another way, when's the last time we went to confession? When was the last time we approached our Heavenly Father and said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I desire to be healed. This is what I think the whole point of the parable is. This should be the response. When we hear this, we look at ourselves and say, Lord, don't I need that mercy too? Don't I need to be forgiven as well? So what's stopping us? What's preventing us from going to our Heavenly Father? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of different reasons or responses, but I think most of them kind of boil down to one thing. Fear. Afraid I'm going to bring, what if I have to bring these things up again? Afraid about having to say these things. I'm afraid of what the priest is going to think. What's he going to say? I'm afraid of kind of digging into these things once again. That's usually what it is. But if we look at the father in the parable, is there anything to be afraid of? Because what was the father's response? When the prodigal son came back, remember? He didn't punish him. He didn't berate him. He didn't scold him. He embraced him. He rejoiced when his son came back. That was the response of the father when he was asking for that mercy. He rejoiced. Just as he rejoiced when the lost sheep was found, just as he rejoiced when the lost coin was found, he rejoiced when his son who was dead came back to him to be restored to life. This is a great reminder for us of who the father is. It's also a great reminder for myself as a priest. 
I am like the younger son. I certainly have sinned. But as a priest, I'm called to stand in the place of the Father as well and to welcome the sinner into the confessional, to show that same love, that same mercy, that same compassion, that same forgiveness. That's a grace that's given to us. I love hearing confessions. It's tiring, don't get me wrong, if you're really focusing. But it's such a beautiful gift to be able to impart that. Now, sometimes you get those, we sometimes refer to them as big fish. It's been a while, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. But rather, what's on the heart of a priest, it's a grace, wonderful. So good you're here. Let's take care of this. Let's get after it. Let's heal you. That's the response of the Father. That's what the Father desires. To heal us, to restore us, to bind up our wounds. If, if, we approach him and ask. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you to look for that courage. To pray for the courage. To ask the Lord for the strength. To approach him, asking for that mercy and that forgiveness. And if we do, we know what the response will be. The response to the prayer, if we go to the Lord asking for that, we already know the response of the Father. He's going to rejoice. The whole heavenly court, as we heard all the angels, they'll rejoice because we, as his children, were dead and have been brought to life again. If we go to approach him, we were lost, but we have been found.